0: And I would ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're on our third week of Advent and joy is the topic. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. But I want you to think just for a moment about all that it took for just what happened to happen. Just the coordination of that. And I want to ask you a question of what would be your place in the Christmas story? Um, sometimes when we read the Bible, we want to think, well, I could see myself in Joseph's shoes or Mary's shoes or Elizabeth's shoes and, and kind of see how it fits. And and I don't want to just do that as kind of a, a, a mental exercise. I want you to understand you're a part of the story too. You and I have a role to play. Christmas was all about God redeeming the world through his son, Jesus Christ. And so Mary played her role. Elizabeth played her role, John the Baptist played his role, and you and I have a role to play as well. And one of the things that I think we miss out, especially when it comes to this topic of joy, is if we're not experiencing joy, might I challenge you to think it might be that you're not playing your role in God's redemptive story, that you're not letting God disrupt your world to to an extent that he disrupted the worlds of these people and once you find your place in that story, the joy of the Lord becomes a part of your life. And so if you're missing joy, I'm, I'm going to ex- challenge you with this. Maybe it's because you're not playing your role in the bigger picture of what God is doing by bringing people to his son, Jesus Christ. I look for a big fancy definition of the word joy, and there, there really aren't any. You could probably define it, it's being really happy, right? It's being, uh, but how is Christian joy different from just joy that the world might have like um, I ate a great burger yesterday and it, it brought me great joy I was very happy about that I was in a restaurant with a bunch of people that I don't know if they're Christians or not probably not many of them and they had joy eating the same kind of food and so what makes Christian joy different in part is this it anticipates a greater reward someday or a greater thing we can have joy even if my burger was bad Okay, I can have joy even if my circumstances are not perfect, knowing that there's something better coming down the road. One little other thing about this word joy, at at its root, it has the same root as the word grace or even a gift. And so true biblical joy is the gift of God's grace. In this passage, we're going to see that Mary was highly favored. And it means that God poured out his grace on her. Ephesians tells us God poured out His grace on us, too, that, that God has so gifted us in His grace that there should be great joy there. In the Bible, joy is, describes all kinds of things like marriage and intimacy and child, birth of children and military battles and harvest time and um, even great food and great drink. And I mean, it's just, there's a lot of things that we are to rejoice. In the Old Testament, it had to do with coming out of the exile, I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, the exodus out of Egypt. And even coming out of the exile, that God was uh, bringing just joy. In the New Testament, we think like when one lost person gets saved, there's more what? Rejoicing in heaven over that. And so joy is all through the Bible. It really should be something that defines a Christian, and it should be something that is important to us. Well, at Christmas time, we're going to see some joy here. We have John the Baptist. He's going to leap for joy in his mother's womb. We're going to have the angels telling again Mary that she is highly favored, the same word as joy there. The shepherds are going to proclaim great joy, the magi are going to be overjoyed when they come a few years later. And so all of this comes from, and we can't tell the whole story every week, but let's start reading in Luke chapter 1 verse 26, I'm probably going to make a few stops along the way and then I'll give you the outline at the end. The outline really is going to be six ways that you can increase joy or find joy or how that might play out okay so starting verse 26 in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy so this is john the Baptist's mother god sent an angel to uh, the angel gabriel to nazareth the town of galilee all this is biblical prophecy to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david again all those great promises to david the virgin's name was mary And the angel went and said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Okay. So again, great honor on Mary, not worship and any of that stuff, but we really, she plays an important role here. We are given that same highly favored standing in in Ephesians chapter one. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I want to stop right there for a second. Why would that trouble her? Why would, why would somebody being told that you're highly favored by God trouble you? Now, we know the rest of the story. She's going to learn the rest of the story. She's about to find out that she's going to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit, or by the Holy Spirit, that her whole world's going to be turned upside down, right? How many of us, when we hear that God is pouring out his grace on us, would say, that's troubling Here's here's my point, and here's where I say play your part in the story. If we don't understand that God's grace poured out on us should disrupt our lives, then we're not going to play the role we want. It will require sacrifice. It will require readjusting our priorities. It will require a lot of us. In response to God pouring out his favor, she's greatly troubled, and I'm greatly troubled that I'm not greatly troubled. Does that make sense? Why, when I understand all that God has done for me in Jesus Christ, am I not greatly troubled? Because I just accept faith as being too convenient. And as long as it fits my schedule and my priorities, then I don't worry about it. It's as disruptive as it is to this young woman, Mary. And the more we grasp that, that God is now in charge of our lives, the more joy we'll have, I think. Okay? All right. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Mary. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. Okay, we can trust God's word. And then here's the other point about, I want you to find your place in this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your words be, word be fulfilled to me, and the angel left her. Can you and I, can we find our place in the story where God has poured out his grace on us in Jesus Christ, it's going to disrupt our life, that we say, I'm your Lord's servant and whatever you say goes. That's one of the keys to finding great joy. And if we don't do that, if it's just convenient and just does what we want, then we may not experience the joy the Bible wants us to have in our faith, okay? Then Mary said, it's, I'm sorry, uh, verse 39, at that time... Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. That's not unusual, right? If uh, Ladies, will tell you babies leap in wombs often and in inconvenient times probably. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to make that connection. The Holy Spirit's all through this, okay? In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Remember, nobody's told her anything yet, okay? There, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a text saying, we're heading your way. By the way, it was about a 65-mile journey, about three days, a couple days. We're heading your way, and I'm, I've been told I'm pregnant, okay? Elizabeth doesn't know anything. This is the, the Holy Spirit revealing, I think, to her soul, to her spirit, what's going on. When, when Mary, I'm sorry, when Elizabeth heard her, let me jump ahead, verse 42, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is a child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Do you understand the revelation that's going on here? Elizabeth, without being told anything, understands that Mary is pregnant, and the baby in Mary's womb is the Lord. That's a big deal. I mean, God is, again, unfolding this right here. Um. Verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped, we got that part, for joy. Okay, how does she know that? I don't know how she knows that. Again, babies leap all the time. But I think there's a joy even with John the Baptist in the womb at the coming of Jesus. Later on in the the unfolding of the story, John, when I think it's the area where he says he must become greater and I must become less. John is overcome with great joy. This joy that starts for him in the womb plays out until he finishes his role in the story as well. Verse 45, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise, promises to her. So you have Mary's faith there. She believes the word of God and she acts on it. And then we'll just read a couple of verses here of her song. Mary sings a song or quotes a song. Uh, you should know, by the way, I won't read the whole thing, depending on how you count it, there's about 12 to 15 Old Testament references in what Mary's about to say, okay? I just want you to know, she knew her Bible, okay? My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me Blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, it's not up here, but I want you to, if you have your Bibles open, flip over to chapter 2, verses 20, or 33, 33 and uh, 34 and 35. There's a, there's a man named Simeon here, and he's talking. Um, Simeon, verse 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that it will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Okay? It's not, again, this promise to Mary is going to disrupt her life all the way to the cross, right? And so Simeon foreshadows some of that. Let's pray and then I'll give you six places for hope or for joy. God... Um, this story can be so familiar that we gloss over things, um, and God, there are many details here that are worthy of consideration, but um, press on our hearts, God, if you would, what your grace to us means, that it's disruptive, um, that it should challenge the way we live and what we do. It, it will bring even grief at time, God. But thank you that we can have joy in that and joy for what that brings. And so as we go through these six reasons or six places where joy might be found, um, God, just help us to see um, by your Spirit the truth of your Word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, usually I don't pray that deep into it, okay? And I'm going to warn you right now, this is going to be short, okay? Nobody's ever booed me when I said it's going to be a short sermon, and so, just so you know, um, rather than unpack that whole passage, we're just going to look at this topic of joy and where it might come from. So, don't when it's five after uh, ten, don't say you lied to us because I could very easily just go and go and go. But I don't intend to. One is the promises of Scripture. What I what I'm trying to get at with these six things is where can joy be found? Uh, where might joy uh, grow? Um, what is the basis of our joy? And one of the first things, and we see it here, all the prophecies from Nazareth and Galilee to a virgin to Joseph, a descendant of David, um, Jacob's descendants. I mean, we could go through this. Uh, the, the word of God will never fail. May his word be fulfilled. Blessed is he, who believes the, the, what the Lord said would be fulfilled to her. Mary's song being peppered with scripture, scripture, scripture. If you want joy in your life, you organize your life around the Word of God, okay? Back in the Psalms, it even says, blessed is another word that's kind of tied. Ty- blessed means happy in many senses, joy. And so, blessed is the one who doesn't walk or, you know, or who walks according to God's Word. If you want true joy, because not walking in His Word will not do that. And so, over and over here, we have Mary believing the Word of God, believing her Bible. And willing to be the servant of God based on what that word says. Psalm 119, many of you know that uh, book in the Bible, that chapter in the Bible, very long, right? All about the word of God. And I'll just give you three verses from there. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. We, t- we can and should find great joy in the word of God. Psalm 119, uh, I think this is 114, not 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. And verse 150, 162, I rejoice in your promises like one who finds great spoil. There are um, parables in the New Testament a man that finds a great treasure and in joy sells all he has to go buy that field, Right? The Bible's like that. We should give up everything else because we will find the greatest joy in organizing our life around the Bible. John 15, um, many of you will know um, this verse. This is verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What What did Jesus just tell them? Here's the whole context. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that, you may, uh, that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What Jesus is telling his disciples there, he's telling us, is that I want you to know the love that God has for me. I want you to know the love that God has for you. And the way you can live in that love is to keep my commandments. And you will find great joy. My joy will be complete and your joy will be complete. So the first place of joy, and this, what I want you to do is ask these questions along the way. Are you letting the word of God inform your life? Are you taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ? Are you making decisions based on what God's word says? That's where joy will be found. So I'm going to ask you that question hopefully along each point. Point two, the presence of the saints. If you look at verse 26, and, and, um, you, we have these two characters here. We have Mary and Elizabeth. And one of the things that Mary does, verse 36, uh, 26, verse 36, is she goes to visit Elizabeth. If you look down at verse 39, Mary got ready and hurried to the town country and went and visited. There is something to be said and a joy to be found in hanging out with other people who are Christians. We call it fellowship. We call it the, the, the body of Christ. There's something to be said. What we're doing today should add great joy to your life. Because going sorry, Elizabeth is going to be a great encouragement to Mary. And that's one thing that happens as we gather, as we encourage one another. We lift up one another. We, we make it clear that I'm not the only weirdo on Smithfield that thinks the way I think. I know some other people that think this way too. And there's great joy again as she found out that I can hang out with somebody else, in this case, full of the Holy Spirit, that has the same um, goals in mind that the Lord would be glorified. And then when we do that kind of things, we find joy. Here's what Psalm 122.1 says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I get paid to be here, okay? Okay. Um, and I still like coming here. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing, I hope. That's a good thing for both of us, I hope. But I hope you look forward to it. I, I hope you don't see Sunday morning as this obligation I have to do. I would, I would hope that you would say, I want to be there with those people. Okay? And so Psalm 122 says that. Philippians 4.4. 4. I love this passage. Philippians 4 has a couple, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, sometimes taken out of context. And then Philippians 4, 4 says this, rejoice always, I say it again, rejoice. So we're commanded to have joy, we're commanded to rejoice. What's fun about that, when Paul says that, he says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always. In the context of Philippians 4, there's these two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche, and they're fussing with one another. I have no idea what they're fussing about. We don't know what they're fussing about, but you know what Paul says to those fussing ladies? Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. What Paul's trying to tell them is you put the Lord above everything else and all of a sudden any, any disagreements you might have down here are secondary concern to the main goal, which is to make much of Christ, okay? Here's what Spurgeon says about that little um, nugget. I'm glad that we don't know what their quarrel was about, Spurgeon says. I'm usually thankful for ignorance on such subjects. But as a cure for disagreement, the apostle says, rejoice in the Lord always. People who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Okay. Thirdly, the power of the Spirit. Don't forget, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, and what's the second one? Joy. That joy does not happen because we just put on a, a happy face. There's something about this being born in us through the Holy Spirit. In chapter 28, the Lord is with you. And I'm sorry, verse 28. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Verse 30, uh, 41, the baby leaped um, in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And proclaimed what she proclaimed. And so again, the Holy Spirit is, is part of the fruit of the Spirit is to have joy. Jesus, one time, I, I I can't figure well, I can figure it out, but I think it's instructive. In Luke ten twenty one, Jesus, it says, was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Jesus did what he did, dependent on God. Jesus himself was not full of joy just because he sucked it up and put on a smiley face He was filled with joy through the holy spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit Now I will say this about this fruit of the spirit One thing we can do and you know this is we can grieve the spirit with our sin If you're a born-again believer Sin will not bring you joy It may be, bring you fleeting pleasures. It may bring you happiness for a while But it will not bring you true lasting joy because you have grieved the Holy Spirit and the source of joy is the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13.52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In Romans 14.17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, Excuse me. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message of, in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. So if you want joy, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit. When he leads you, you do. Again, according to his word and all that kind of stuff. Fourthly, it's the posture of a servant. If you look at verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be, to me be fulfilled. And then in verse 48, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. If we don't understand, we're the servant of God. I think we saw this with Elijah. Um, we saw it in one of the other passages as well. We are to stand at attention. This is our part in the, in the pageantry. We are to stand at attention. And when he says help, we help, right? We're ready to, whatever he says, we do. That's got to be our mindset. That we are servants, humble servants, highly favored servants, but we are servants of the Lord. And we will find great joy when our master finds great joy. And so, again, fourthly is that. Fifthly is the pain of suffering. This is the part that we wish wasn't there. How does joy and suffering go together? Well, I, we read down to verse 48 and 49. All generations will call me blessed, Mary said for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. But then Simeon told her, this child is destined to cause the failing, falling and rising of many in Israel. And he will be a sign spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. In suffering, we can have joy. And in fact, sometimes it's the suffering that brings it eventually. Think about Mary for a second here. Um, I'm trying to think who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody this week. I'll give you credit if I can remember who you are. But Mary was at the cross. Remember that. She followed through on this all the way to the end. She, she's watching her son be crucified, but she believes he's the son of God, right? She, be, she believes this. It, I think we were talking about that song, Mary, Did You Know? Mary knew, Okay. Mary had some idea what was going on. And she just think of wanting to stop that. But I don't know that she had the power to stop it, but one, we have no record in the Bible that she did anything but yield to her. She's found with the disciples later on and following the Lord. She understood that what was painful, what was definitive on how people respond to God, either you're with Jesus or you're not, you're either going to stumble over him or you're going to follow him, that was necessary to produce true, lasting joy. That the only way we could have true joy was for Jesus Christ to die and then rise again and send us his spirit and make us right with God, all that kind of stuff. And she had to witness it firsthand because there was a greater joy down the road. Again, the parable of the, the man who found the treasure and sold it all. Well, here's how the Bible talks about this joy and a couple of them are just um, striking to me. James, you know this verse. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. See how joy and trials and suffering are all there together? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. This is where that biblical definition of joy says it anticipates something better down the road. And then the one that always, Jesus Christ for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What got Jesus through the cross, according to the author of Hebrews, is the joy set before him. He could go to the cross in part because he knew the joy later on when he would be seated at the right hand of God and through his spirit would draw people from every tribe to him and he would be able to share the love of God with so many people. It was that joy set before him that he endured the cross and in luke jesus tells his disciples blessed are you when people hate you when they exclude you when they insult you when they reject your name as evil because of the son of man rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven from for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets Elsewhere, it says, rejoice that your name is associated with Jesus so closely that they hate you, okay? When's the last time, naturally, you leapt for joy when somebody didn't like you because you were a Christian? Isn't that so opposite of what we have? It's because we don't understand. We're playing a part. If we are shining the light of Christ, some people are not going to like it. And we should leap for joy that at least we reflect Christ enough that they see Christ in us. And what gets better than that, right? If we're playing our part in the role, or in the pageant and all that. And then sixthly and lastly, the praise of the Savior. In verse 131, it says, you are to call him Jesus. That means God saves, the Lord saves. He, he was coming to save his people. That's why he came. And then in Mary's song, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I don't want to pick any fights this morning, but Mary needed a Savior. Okay? You and I need a Savior. No one is born perfect, not even Mary. And she should be highly honored. But she recognized Before Jesus came, before he grew up, before he went to the cross, based on the word of God, that he was the promised Messiah, and she glorified the Lord, and her spirit rejoiced in God, her Savior. She needed a Savior, and Luke tells us this, and Jesus tells us this, do not rejoice that the spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the the foundational one here to me if we work our way down. Once we understand Jesus died to save us, and my name is written in heaven, and your name can be written in heaven, what joy. We rejoice in that. That's why we can endure stuff. That's why we can believe all the things that we have just listed. If Jesus Christ did that. So the, the question here is, is your name written in heaven? If you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us when he accepts you and forgives you, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and you can, will have eternal life with him and great joy forever. Again, sin comes into the picture here, because some of you may be saved and say, well, I don't, I don't know joy that much. David, when he was confronted with his sin, said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. When he finally came clean with his sin, he was reminded or restored what a joy it is to be saved by God. Well, let's go through these real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Again, I want to challenge you in these areas. Are you believing, obeying, uh, organizing your life on the promises of the scriptures? Is God's word your marching orders? Is it your instruction book? Is it your authority? Secondly, are you... In the presence of the saints, are you spending time with other believers? We can get so drowned out on this that we spend time with other people. Make sure you're spending time with believers. The power of the Spirit. Again, sin will grieve the Spirit, but make sure you're yielding to the Spirit of God as He leads you and guides you. Do you have the posture of a servant? Are you standing at attention, waiting for orders from your master? Can you even find joy in suffering realizing that it's bringing something better down the road? And can you at least have joy in the Savior that our names are written in heaven and this earth will seem so short of time compared to eternity that we should, as the parable says, sell everything we can and get that treasure. Okay? Let's pray. God, give us great joy Uh, along these lines. I thank you for the example of Mary and Elizabeth, the words of Simeon, God. I thank you for John the Baptist leaping for joy in Elizabeth's womb. God, thank you that our names are written in heaven if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But as Mary was told, that name Jesus will be a stumbling block for many. And so, God, if there's anyone here today that's not accepted Christ, if there's... um, any hindrance, if they're stumbling over that idea, um, God, would you just clear a path for them to come to you? God, you promise us this great joy in those, I hope, in those areas that we've just seen in your word and your spirit and your, your saints, even in suffering. Help us to be joyful people because great is our reward and our names are written in heaven. Pray this all in Jesus' name. May he be glorified. Amen.